Welcome back, Double Teamed fam. How are we doing this beautiful, beautiful Thursday? Today, Nikki and I are welcoming another guest on a very fun subject that we've been wanting to discuss, um, but we're welcoming Ashley Manta, award-winning sex and relationship coach and author of The CBD Solution, Sex. So let's get started. Ashley, do you want to say hello? Hi, thank you so much for having me. Sure. I love your voice. Yeah, you do have a very nice voice. This is my phone sex voice. (laughs) It's seriously, do you do like, you know, erotic readings, you know, for yeah, ASMR, any of that? I don't do ASMR, but when I first moved to LA, I actually worked as a phone sex operator for the better part of a year. Oh, wow. I love that. Wait, okay, wait, before we get started, now I'm a little bit curious about this. What was that like? Oh, I learned so much about what turns people on. And and really, dirty talk, especially like in terms of phone sex, is is really just sexy improv. So you get really good at thinking on your feet and, and coming up with a lot of yes and scenarios. <laughs> oh, I kind of want to try it. I'm like, yeah. wait a minute. I think everyone... There's room for improvement in everyone's dirty talk game. Oh, absolutely. I I love it so much that I actually wrote a, like an ebook about it. And then I came out with an online course on dirty talk because a lot of my clients were saying that they feel really self-conscious. They don't know what to say or how to say it. And really, it's just a sexy way to communicate and share, you know, what's working for you, feedback, seduction and instruction. I love that. Wait, yeah, I need a link to this. I know I got to send it to my a lot of my dudes all the time. They're like, I don't you know, they're like, I'll, I'll tell them them that I like like degradation and dirty talk and stuff. And they're like, I don't know what to say. So I like try to give them examples and they're like, okay. And then like, that's what they use, you know? So I think a course like that would be really solid. No, I need it for me because I was just oh. thinking about it the other day. And cause I was discussing it with my friend. She's like, I'm so bad at dirty talk. And I was like, I'm pretty sure I stick to the same three phrases the entire time. So I really need to like expand, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited to check this out. I did. I did not see that when I was researching your page. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, let's just kind of dive right in. So for our listeners, Ashley specializes in, what is it called? Canisexual? Yeah. Canisexual is a word that I made up and then trademarked. And it refers to mindfully and deliberately combining sex and cannabis to deepen intimacy and enhance pleasure, whether you're solo or partnered. Love that. I saw that you had trademarked the term and I think that's really cool. I just wasn't sure if I was saying it no, right. You're I, was like, it. I don't know if there's a... I like it. Canisexual. I think, you know, with these types of things, people always like to understand kind of like the formation of the journey and how this came to be. I guess kind of what, what took you on this path? How did it all begin? Great question. Trigger warning. I am a sexual trauma survivor. And so I got into sexual violence prevention and rape crisis counseling and domestic violence crisis counseling really early on, like in my college career. And I worked at the Women's Center. I did the vagina monologues. And so after college, after grad school, I got a job working at the Philadelphia District Attorney's Office as a victim advocate. I was going around to high schools and colleges teaching about consent and bystander intervention and supporting survivors and respectful relationships. And all of that was really good. And then I burned out because that happens when you do direct service. But I loved the teaching. And so I got a job at Planned Parenthood. So I learned a lot about the reproductive health and and sexual health side of sex education. And then I moved to California and I experienced medical cannabis for the first time. And I had always had pain with penetration due to my trauma. And I found this THC infused oil that you put on your pussy 20 minutes before sexy fun times. And all of a sudden I was able to have pain free penetration. And I realized that I didn't know any other sex educators talking about sex and cannabis back then that was this is like 2014 or so and I was like this could be a niche this could be a thing that I talk about you know with some frequency I started writing for uh, leafly.com and dope magazine and things just kind of snowballed and suddenly like I'm one of the leading experts in the world on sex and cannabis wow yeah that's so, quite the journey I love that like, where did you find this like yeah where did you find that um the oil. the oil yeah I never knew it existed I had no idea that that was that that they made products that are CBD or THC infused that go like on your genital parts yes so I was at a 
sex toy trade show called the Adult Novelty Manufacturing Expo. It's like Fashion Week for sex toys. And so like all the manufacturers come out and they show the newest, coolest designs and what's going to be sold in the next quarters and around the holidays. And I I was meeting, you know, CEOs and, and marketing executives at these companies. And one of them knew that I was interested in cannabis and was like, oh, have you heard about this company that's that's making THC infused oil for for women, for people with vulvas? And I was like, no. And it was it was a game changer from, you know, I met with their marketing director. We had this like swanky meeting in Beverly Hills and (laughs) it was the coolest thing. She's like, I want you to take this home, put it on your pussy and then masturbate and let me know how it goes. And I was like, I have made all of the correct life choices leading me to this point. (laughs) Yes. I love Wait, so how was it? Wait, I know. I want to ask what, like, was it good ingredients in terms of like the other parts of the, we've been learning a lot recently about like, we did an episode with Good Clean Love, who we work with on like a lot of the products that, or the ingredients that go into their products and like the safety of it all. So like, I'm curious if you know anything about like the other ingredients in that oil that they use. I do. Um, I am a stickler for lube ingredients. So one of the things that was most appealing to me is that it is just THC oil and MC. CT oil, which is is coconut oil that doesn't get solid at room temperature. So two ingredients. It's not compatible with latex as um, any oil will degrade latex, but you can use non-latex barriers like nitrile or polyurethane. And it's great. It's not meant to replace lube. Like I use that as a sort of pussy marinade. And then I use regular lube when it comes to sexy times. Pussy marinade. I love that. You should trademark that too. I know. Pussy (laughs) marinade. Oh, I love that. Okay. I think it's great though that like, I mean, I just love when, like, for example, like when you, when we did the episode with uh, Wendy and everything on Good Clean Love, like I love when companies like take the time to make products that they know are really going to enhance people's experience because especially when it comes to like down there in that area, there people, yeah, people have a lot of, you know, differences in, in how their body parts like react to certain things, like when it, when it comes to like sex or whatever. So I always love to see when people discover things that like help them. I don't know. Cause I remember like my journey with like toys and lubes and all of that, like, especially in the last year has changed so much. And I feel like it's definitely like changed my sex life and my like appreciation for my pussy, like for the better, if that makes sense. It completely makes sense. And I had a similar trajectory. Like I used to get UTIs and yeast infections all the time in college. And then uh, randomly, Emily Nagoski, who wrote Come As You Are, this like amazing sexologist, sex researcher, she was the assistant director of the Women's Center at my college. And I went to her and I was like, I keep getting UTIs. And she's like, check the ingredients. And I bet you're sensitive to glycerin and parabens because that's in a lot of like shitty cheap lubes like KY and whatnot. And sure enough, I switched to better lube and all of a sudden stopped getting UTIs and and yeast infections with that same frequency. Yeah, that's amazing. I know for for me, it wasn't UTIs, but like yeast infections for sure. And then also like BV, that was another really tough one for me. But like, yeah, but once you like figure out the products that like really work for your vagina, like I am so particular. Like if I go over to a guy's house, like I bring my own lube now because like most of the time they have shitty ass lube and I'm like, that's not going inside me. I bring my lube and I'm very particular about it. And then like, like I said, you just kind of like start taking care of it and you get to a point where it's like, you know, in like a nice like homeostasis, like it's good and everything. And then from like, yeah, and you want to maintain that, you know, that's awesome. This just makes me think about this one time I was very like, I was experiencing like back to back to back yeast infections. And now that I think about it, I was using shitty lube at that time. Well, that's probably what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Glycerin is actually a sugar alcohol and yeast eats sugar. So that's. Oh, wow. No, you're right. Yeah. 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 I remember that from college. I never thought of that. Yeah. Maybe I didn't learn that. I, t- I had to take a lot of biology classes. I didn't. Yeah. I did. I studied aviation. She studied zoology. So yeah. Differences <laughs> in the class. Okay. Well, so, and then that takes me back to my other question. So the first time that you like use this oil, I know you, you began with masturbating and then you went with using it with a partner. How was that? Like how do you, par- or like what, what products do you incorporate with like partnered play? If that makes sense. So many. So the first time I did it with a partner after having used the oil, it was 
a revelation, really. It's not an exaggeration to say that changed everything because my entire life up to that point, I had been gritting my teeth for the first three minutes of having sex because it hurt. And all of a sudden it was like I could have all of the sex that I wanted without the pain. And as an added bonus, not only did it not hurt, but my clit, which is normally gets overstimulated pretty easily, was able to have multiple orgasms. And I was like, oh, that's rad. Uh, Especially, yeah, I didn't know I could have multiple orgasms until like my almost mid-20s. So it's like the first like good chunk of my sexual life. I had no idea that that was like a possibility. But does the oil make you like high per se? It does not. That's the best part. It's um, just like if you put an infused like lotion on your shoulders, like it doesn't go through your system the same way. So it just has a localized effect where THC is a vasodilator. So it helps to expand the blood vessels and capillaries, which brings more blood to the area and that increases sensation. And then it also decreases pain. So it's, it's kind of a one, two punch in that way. Nice. Wow. Okay. Good to know. I don't think I've ever even used like any like CBD infused creams. Not because like I'm scared of them. I just don't, I've never, I guess like really, I stick to- What are some good brands? Yeah. Like I always stick to like the same, like, you know, lotions and stuff that I've always bought when it comes to like, just like normal, like body lotion and whatnot. And so like, I never really much ventured into anything that's like CBD or THC infused, but I do find it fascinating. I think that'd be cool to try out. Absolutely. So uh, some of my favorite brands are Quim, Q-U-I-M. Uh, They are a women-owned brand out of NorCal, which we love supporting women-owned brands, right? So they really formulated their products with vaginal health in mind. So one of their formulas actually has tea tree oil in it, which is a really great, like it's good for herpes outbreaks. It's good for just kind of improving the, the vaginal flora. It can help with yeast overgrowth if that's a thing that you're dealing with. Like it, it's a really great kind of multi-purpose balancing oil to add to it. And also gives kind of a nice gentle cooling sensation I found. Tea tree oil, it, it tingles just a little in, in pleasant ways. So that's a company that I really love for just regular topicals and also edibles and concentrates and tinctures. Papa and Barkley is the best, hands down, especially for topicals. My dad has arthritis in both of his shoulders from wrestling in in high school and college. Could not raise his shoulders, his arms like over his head until I started sending him Papa and Barkley cream and this like really amazing balm that they make. And now he has full range of motion. Wow. Oh, that's beautiful. That's amazing. When you mentioned the herpes thing, herpes fascinates me, by the way. I have it. Really? Uh, Type one or two? Two, genital. So, because I always did a lot of research on cold source because I remember one time I read a Cosmo article when I was like 16 that was like saying the guy had um, a cold sore and he went down on the girl and she got herpes, HSV1 in her genitals because of it. And so like back then and then like into like my 20s, I was always like, oh my God, you know, and really when you get to know herpes, it's a glorified skin condition and I don't know why it's such a big deal. And so, but I found it fascinating. They, they've done a lot of research on peppermint oil on cold source as well. And so those didn't know much about tea tree oil. So, or I didn't know that that was also another one that they used for herpes outbreaks as well, but that's really interesting. It's so good for that. It dries out the sores really quickly and it also helps with some of the pain. When it comes to herpes, especially, I mean, honestly, any, any STI or STD, and that's something I know we've talked about before as well, is that like, if you really do your research and get to understand them, you know, they're, they're not as like scary as they seem like people all the time freak out. You know, I'm like chlamydia is basically like bronchitis, but in your genitals, like, you know, it's a bacterial infection or, you know, with the, with the viral ones too, like they're very manageable. And so I, I, that's one area where like, I really wish people did a lot more research so that they weren't so like deathly afraid of them of like, you know, what happens when you contract one. So that's interesting. I am so with you. In fact, one of the most common uh, workshops that I teach at colleges is called living, loving and thriving with an STI. So I do a lot about like awareness raising and stigma busting and and helping because it's all shame. It's shame and purity culture and helping people break free from that helps them feel set up to have more 
empowered sex lives. And that's what I want to create in the world. Yeah. No, same. I completely agree. I had chlamydia when I was in high school um, and I was pretty young too. I was like 17, 18 and Planned Parenthood was like a fucking godsend. I loved Planned Parenthood back then because like that's how I did all my testing. And like, this was like all like without my parents. My parents, I pretty sure had like no idea that I was like doing all of this, but like I did my testing with them. I got my antibiotics from them. I, I think I explored birth control with them as well. Like when I first got on birth control and everything. And so I'm a big advocate for like those type of resources as well. I love that you teach those college courses because like college students is still a great age, especially if they're, you know, younger freshmen, 18, 19 year olds, still a great age for them to like get solid education on sex rather than whatever the fuck they teach in high schools, which is just trash. Oh, absolutely. I love teaching college students. They're so hungry for knowledge and they're so craving to have a conversation with an adult about sex in a an affirming way and like I'm bisexual so I also talk about like being queer and I don't work with anyone under 18 because parents are a pain in the ass so all of the people that I teach and and do workshops for and whatnot it's all 18 and over college and above and that works out great for me I love the opportunity to do that I wish parents did a better job with educating their children because that's really where it begins but I also I wish the schools I, I just remember like the sex education that we got in high school was terrible and like, I wish schools did a better job of it. But like, even in college, we never had a, like a, a course like yours or like the opportunity to learn. So, and granted, I went to school in Oklahoma. So maybe that's why. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't put two and two together. California, but uh, no, it shouldn't. It shouldn't. But like, you know, culturally, whereas California might be like, yeah, absolutely. Let's have some courses on sex education. Oklahoma's going to be like, no abstinence, you know. Although interestingly, there's a college out in Iowa that brings me out every year for their sex week. And I talk about queering safer sex and and also like STIs and stigma. And it is like in the middle of nowhere, Iowa. And I'm like, wow, I would. And ev- for like four years running until the pandemic, they brought me out every year. Nice. They that's have amazing. a sex week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. I, love I, that. I know you wouldn't think right in the Midwest. Yeah. Oh, that's no, but I love that. I feel like every college should have that in high school. Yeah. Yeah. Learn about sex. Totally. Uh, if I, if I could become like a serious educator in sex, like that would be my dream come true. Now I had a question because I know most of what we've discussed, sorry to kind of switch gears, but most of what we discussed has to do with like the topical things that you You've mentioned like the oils and creams and whatnot, but I'm curious, have you had like sex while high, like from smoking or like taking edibles in like that form? If so, I'm very curious about that because I've never tried it. Oh yes. If you can think of an altered way of having sex, I have pretty much had sex that way. I have done every kind of cannabis you can imagine and had sex. I've had sex on mushrooms. I've had sex on acid. I've had sex on MDMA. I did not have sex on ayahuasca, but I did have an orgasm on ayahuasca. So like I've done so many of the things. All right, let's talk yeah, about can it. We yeah, get some dive more? in. Let's, can we unpack? Yeah. Well, let's start with cannabis. <laughs> so topicals are a really great intro for most people who are new to sex and any kind of enhancement because it doesn't get you high. So any for the control freaks listening who are like, I can't possibly be high when I'm having sex. Cool. You don't have to. Now, if you are thinking that you might want to try sex while in an altered state of consciousness, there's a couple of things that you need to do to prepare yourself to do that, regardless of what sort of way that you're consuming. But you need to, first of all, try whatever it is that you're going to be using on your own and masturbate. You need to see how it's going to affect you sexually first in a controlled environment where you don't have to worry about their experience or getting the munchies or having a bad reaction or any of those things. Like you can handle all of that on your own. And then you'll have a little bit of predictability when you go to have partnered sex. So that's step one, right? Uh, Step two is negotiate before you medicate. So having a conversation with your partner sober about what you're planning to consume, what you're hoping it's going to do for you, and how to be supportive and of assistance if you find yourself in a space that you're not happy about. Like if you have some kind of a, a a challenging reaction or you shut down or anything comes up. All of that conversation, as well as like boundaries and and consent kinds of conversations and negotiation needs to happen when you are sober. That is going to save you so much struggle later. It's going to make your life better. It's going to set you up for success. And it's going to cut down on the emotional paperwork of having like a shitty experience. So those two things for sure are really important. I generally do not recommend edibles 
for sex, especially for newbies, because they are so unpredictable. They take at least two full hours up to sometimes four hours to fully kick in. So you never quite know where you're going to be along that timeline. You know, am I going to be like, I don't feel anything. I don't feel anything. I don't feel anything. Oh my God, I'm melting into the floor. So there's the unpredictability with time, but then there's also the vastly insane variations in dosing where a 10 milligram thing from one company could feel one way and the same dosage from another company could feel completely different. And 10 milligrams for someone who's brand new is way too fucking much. Like that is the, for the most part, the smallest they come in unless they like advertise as microdose. But for a new consumer, two and a half milligrams is plenty. So 10 milligrams is almost five times that. Like that's a problem. It's four times that. In fact, I can do math. It's four times that. So I really encourage people to, if you're going to do a form of cannabis that will get you high, go with something that you're inhaling. So a vape pen or a joint or a a bowl or a pipe. Um, I would also probably leave out concentrates unless you are a really experienced user with high tolerance. Although the concentrates high is really fun to fuck on for those with high tolerance. (laughs) Oh, interesting. What does it feel? Yeah, does it feel different? I tend to feel more of a body high and a lot of clarity in my head, but I also feel kind of spacey at the same time. It's interesting. And so here's the other piece of all of this. Your mileage may vary. Like what works for me and what my body likes and how my body reacts to things may be completely different than your experience. So you will never hear me recommend like the best strain for sex ever. There's that would be like saying like, what's the best sex toy for an orgasm? Like who the fuck knows? Like it's all really about what you like and what you're in the mood for. (laughs) But I guess like whenever. okay, so I mean, I can at least, you know, I've done weed before. I've, I've edibles. You're right about the dosage because I've literally, I can, I take a little 10 milligram edible and cut it into four tiny little squares because the minute I take anything more than like a fourth of an edible, I like, I'm mute for like five hours. Yeah. Cammie's, yeah. The few times that I've seen her in that state, it's, it's weird. I'm just like, I don't, talk. I can't imagine having sex. And I don't move. So that's yeah. why like, I'm wondering like whenever, but like when you, you smoke it, it is a different feeling. But whenever like dick is inside you, yeah, it'd be different. Is, is the feeling like more intense or is it like numbed? I don't know. <laughs> you know what I'm asking? It's not numbed. If anything, like I'm already very attuned to my body because I've spent a lot of years in therapy and especially somatic therapy, learning how to reconnect with my body. But like my ability to be actually present in my body is off the charts when I'm using cannabis. I also have been practicing Tantra for the past like six and a half years. And I find that my energetic capabilities are also enhanced. And so those two things together, like really feeling in my body, but also feeling the way that energy is moving through my body and and between my partner's body and mine. It's so freaking incredible. What did you say it was called? Tetra? Tantra. 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 Oh, oh, wait. I don't know much about this. Yeah, I don't know if that's something I'm... So there's there's so much to it. But if you've ever seen American Pie 2, this is a terrible point of reference, but it's a good pop culture reference. In American Pie 2, Finch finds a Tantra book in Stifler's mom's room and he starts like meditating and like having these really mindful masturbatory experiences. And it's for those people who are my age who are listening to this, you will understand. And for everyone else, I'm sorry for that entire digression. But Tantra is worth looking into. It's a really cool way of approaching sex that transcends just the typical physical model and especially like penis and vagina as like the goal of sex. Because there's so much more to it than that. Oh, yeah. Okay, wait. So I I, think we talked about. Yeah, we've talked about that before. So now I'm thinking, okay, maybe I know more about it than I do, but I'm going to go do more research on it. Question on, because you mentioned the things that you like to do for preparation. Um, Now, I know sometimes like substances can dehydrate the body. Is there like an extra level of attention to hydration during sex under any sort of influence? Absolutely. I like to have both water and Pedialyte on hand to be like extra hydrated. And and I always use lube. Like every time I have sex, I'm 
Silicone is my go-to unless I'm using toys and then I use my favorite water-based from Sliquid. But yeah, lube for me is a non-negotiable. So I never have to worry about feeling dryness vaginally. And that's that's a very hit and miss thing. Some people find that smoking does dry them out a little bit and other people find that they are like Niagara Falls. So it's so widely variable. <laughs> yeah. It's so interesting how that is though. Cause I mean, I know all the time I have friends that are like, you know, they say under like a variety of substances, like they get super horny or not. Has there been any research done on this? Like what, what it might be? Yeah, there has been some research. It's I hesitate to say that like weed makes you horny. Like what I think happens is it addresses the things that get in the way of arousal and turn on and desire. So things like pain or feeling disconnected from your body or uh, feeling really stressed out or anything like that, it can help address those things so that you can access your turn on. And because of of Emily Nagoski's research, I am now aware of the amazing phenomenon of arousal non-concordance where you can be wet and not turned on in your mind and you could be super turned on in your mind and not wet at all. And so those things actually don't correlate most of the time for most people with vulvas. But we use that as the benchmark for like, oh, if I'm wet, I must be turned on and enjoying this. And that's like not the case at all and arguably a very damaging belief system. Okay, this is absolutely mind blowing because like the number of times that that has happened to me, I'll be wet throughout the day and like not aroused. So I'm like, but like I look at my, I look, you know, downstairs and I'm like, I'm ready for sex right now. Like it's like Niagara Falls. I could literally like get fucked right now to be totally comfortable. But then other times I go to masturbate and I'm like super turned on. I'm watching porn, got my vibrator. Like it's a me moment, but I'm not getting wet. And I'm like, it it never made sense to me. I'm gonna have to look into this. Okay, interesting. I didn't know that that was like a thing. Arousal non-concordance. Arousal non-concordance. Is what it's called. Okay, wait. So I wanna know what sex is like on acid. It's amazing. <laughs> you see God. You... You see the universe. I I saw God for the first time when I did ayahuasca. And that was in like a ceremony with a shaman. And there was not sex happening. But I did ask the universe to give me an orgasm. And it did. And that was pretty cool. But in terms of mushrooms, the first time I ever did mushrooms, I had sex for like four and a half hours. And I was tripping balls We did way too much for a first time, Uh, but my boyfriend was like, oh, well, I really want you to have like a big first experience. So we each did an eighth, which is three and a half grams, which is a significant amount of mushrooms. (laughs) Like above four grams, they call a heroic dose. Like that's... (laughs) (laughs) So... Not only did we do three and a half grams each, um, we mixed it with orange juice and citric acid converts <laughs> psilocybin to psilocin, which is the thing that made so it was like extra strong. The walls were talking to me for the first time in my life. I truly understand when someone says that a fabric is loud. I was like, oh, that I get it now. Yep, that is loud because my boyfriend's wife, he had this freaking shower curtain and just like so loud and I was sitting in the bathroom and the shower curtain was screaming at me (laughs) what oh my god wait so wow you were really tripping and then and then you had sex and then I had sex and and it was the kind of soul connecting vulnerable like stars and planets swirling around you like the music that you're listening to ends up narrating like what's happening like there was a did his dick talk his dick did not talk but I'm pretty sure my pussy talked. That would have been cool. That would have been super cool. Imagine. Oh my God. I cried. Like it was so good. And I I told him that I loved him because that's what happens when you're on psychedelics. Your heart is just blown wide open. And I remember a friend of mine was telling me a story about how the first time she ever did shrooms and uh, the hairs on her arms and legs were like talking. And then like there was like this elephant poster that was like chasing her, like all these things. And I was just like, yeah, it sounded way overwhelming. And I'm like, man, I don't know if I can handle it. But the connectivity aspect of it, the vulnerability, like that really interests me because I'm all about that. Like I love getting deep with people. I love vulnerability. I love sex. I call it divine sex. You know, the kind of 
sex that like, you know, an avatar, they have that tree and then the tails, like that kind of sex is what I'm looking for. And I feel like psychedelic sex could get you there. That fully gets you there. It's the cautionary note that I would put on that is it can make you think that you're in love way before you're actually in love. Like if you've ever heard of people going to Burning Man and doing all the psychedelics and like getting engaged and married while they're at Burning Man after knowing this person for 72 hours, like that's the kind of thing that can happen when you do psychedelics because it does blow your heart wide open and it does make you feel, and and some of it is real, you know, like my boyfriend and I have been together for almost seven years since that happened. But at the same time, like we dove, it accelerated our relationship so much faster in ways that I'm not convinced, like in retrospect, were the healthiest because you feel so connected and oh my God, this is my person and they see me and we just had this incredible experience together. And like, it's really something that you want to do very intentionally with people that you trust and, and have a plan for integrating it and kind of bringing yourself back down to earth. I can see that. How do you like it compared to like cannabis sex? Like bodily speaking, were the sensations any different? Oh, wildly different, at least for me. Like Hmm. penetration or even just like touching? I mean, sometimes you don't even have penetration when you're having psychedelic sex. You're having like spiritual sex or you're using your fingers or you're using toys. But yeah, the the body sensation is completely different because you're in a completely different phase of consciousness. Like cannabis is not a psychedelic. You can get into a psychedelic headspace with cannabis if you have someone like leading you through it and if you create a certain container. But like all things considered, like smoking a joint, you could do that and get on stage and perform or you could do that and and socialize with psychedelics like you are not really in the driver's seat quite as much anymore so you have to kind of let the medicine work through you and go you're going along for the ride and you can steer to some extent but it it takes you where you need to go and cannabis you are way more in the driver's seat you can be so much more uh, attentive to like what you're doing while you're doing cannabis whereas like psychedelics like we could we would get a hotel room for the weekend, we would have, you know, incense and lights and a playlist. And it was just like, that was going to be the night. We didn't go out. We didn't go party. Like we just spent the whole night in the hotel room. And that was, sometimes you couldn't even get off the bed. Like you just, your legs are jello. Like that doesn't happen quite so much with cannabis. What's your favorite like psychedelic story? Oh, there are so many. So in my heyday of psychedelics, because I kind of went balls to the wall, which is a thing that I do. Like I started doing mushrooms. Then we did MDMA. Then we did acid. Then we were like, well, what if we take acid and MDMA, which is called candy flipping? (laughs) And it's awesome, but it is no... I look back, my 36-year-old self that like gets panic attacks is like, oh my God, how did you survive that shit? (laughs) But my favorite story is my boyfriend and I were at this really beautiful adults-only resort in Borrego Springs, which is a dark sky community because there's so little light pollution that you can see the Milky Way with your naked eye. It's magical. Um, And they have hot tubs under the stars that you can be naked in and it's great. And so we went out there for Christmas two years ago and we did acid and then we did Molly and I had I had enjoyable anal sex for the first time in my life and I squirted four times from anal. It was transcendent. What? That can happen? Yeah, I didn't know that was possible either. Holy shit. I it, like. I think it's amazing what the body can do. Yeah, you know, I thought I was pretty experienced, but this is making me think like there's a whole world I have not discovered. It is wild. It is absolutely incredible. I'm very grateful for having all those experiences, although I don't have them as frequently these days because ever since COVID, my anxiety has been like just off the charts and cannabis doesn't help as much with my anxiety as it used to. So I've had to sort of change my relationship with cannabis a little bit and and scale way back on like what and how I consume. Um, And I do psychedelics in much lower doses now. Yeah. I was going to ask if like your relationship with cannabis has changed over time because like you build like a high, higher, higher tolerance, right? I had a very high tolerance for a while. I was a person who could take a 50 milligram edible and then get on an airplane. I know, right? That was like my favorite thing. I would do that and I'd fly cross country and like watch Disney movies for 
five hours, but uh, those days are behind me. Like my go-to dose for edibles these days is five. I think it's great. Obviously, like I, you know, those kind of relationships evolve and whatnot. I I think, you know, as humans, we have a relationship with everything and and those things over time change and evolve. There are chapters and whatnot. So like to be able to like recognize that and like understand like when it's time for, for that to change for your body. I think that's really neat and shows, you know, like you said, you're really in tune with your body. It shows how you're able to understand like, okay, that chapter was fun, was able to enjoy it, you know, in, in that way. But now it's time to like change to a different tune, a different season of it. So I think that's really neat. Well, we can move on from the, all that stuff is really fascinating to me. Like I could sit here and talk all day about it, but, (laughs) but I did have some other topics that I did want to discuss. I guess, I know you do quite a bit of like coaching and stuff with like on relationships and sex. Uh, I guess I'm curious with your partners and then also like with your clients, do you feel like you're teaching a lot to your partners and then like kind of what is that like? Or is it kind of, is it something that, you know, you, you both explore together or you bring to the table and then they like open up to it? It sounds like you and your current boyfriend um, kind of like both walked into it. But like, I know you mentioned your bi and I believe non-monogamous as well. But like with other partners, do you kind of like take that same teaching aspect to it? Does, does that make sense? It does make sense. And I do not. Um, teaching is something that I get paid for. And so I have really strong boundaries of like, I'm not trying to be your college professor or your guru or any of those things. If you were curious about cannabis and you don't know a lot about it already, you can read my book. I have 200 articles published. I have a gazillion media articles on like, do your research and then come back to me because like, I am not here to be anybody's mom. And I just like, don't have the patience when guys are like, oh, you're a sex coach. Like, maybe you can teach me things. I'm like, cool. I cost 300 an hour. <laughs> like, well, I love that rate. <laughs> is, is that how you want to play? Because, like, that's now you're a client and I'm not going to fuck you. But, yeah. like, so either you're a client and you're paying me and I'm not going to fuck you or you figure the shit out on your own and then come back to me. How do you approach teaching, like, with your clients? What, what does that look like? Like, what are the things that you introduce them to? Most of my clients come to me because they know that I'm cannabis friendly and because they know that I'm kink friendly and non-monogamy friendly, but very little of what we actually do in sessions is about cannabis or like sex and cannabis. Most of my clients are working on the things that most couples are working on, which is communication, desire discrepancy, where one person wants to have sex more frequently or differently than the other, and trying to navigate conflict in a way that is both empathetic and kind. Those are the things that I most frequently work with clients on. And cannabis is like, sometimes they'll be like, oh, hey, like we're thinking about going away for the weekend. Like, do you like this thing? We got this thing. You know, how do we use it? And I'm like, uh, here you go. And but yeah, for the most part, like clients do not come to me for for cannabis instruction. They just want to know how to make their relationships stronger and and sex stuff. So like what I do end up teaching them is like hand job techniques and pussy massage techniques. I did a whole like how to do anal and prostate stimulation with one of my clients a couple weeks ago, complete with like diagrams and and demonstrations on like dildos and stuff. I do a lot with dirty talk with for my clients. So I do teach in those regards. And I, I was asking the question earlier about the like, you know, kind of making sure the line between like clients client and partner doesn't blur because like I know for me, you know, not that I'm an educator by any means, but you know, on the podcast, like I talk about a lot of the things that I learn along the way, like through like experimenting and and mainly that I learn like from others. And then like when I have like newer partners and I like kind of take on that teaching role, I love it. But at the same time, like I've noticed over time, I'm like, it gets to a point where you're like, I don't know if I want to play teacher anymore. So like I was, I was curious how that like the line between like partner and client if it ever got like blurred in that way not like with your clients but like with your partners if that makes sense that totally makes sense and yeah I have super strong boundaries and for the most part like I don't like fucking people who are not already pretty skilled like I am amazing in bed. I've worked hard to become so. I've fucked some of the best sex educators in the world. But like when I'm fucking other sex educators, none of us are like, oh, like how did you do that thing? Or will you teach me how to do this? It's like we're attracted to each other. We watch how each other does it. And then we like we kind of level up together. 
And that's that's fun. Then it feels like we're peers. Like if I was actually asking a fellow sex educator to like teach me a thing, I would expect to pay them for it. Like it's they're giving their skills. If we're just having hot, sexy sex, like Nina Hartley and I have had sex a handful of times and I learn something every time we fuck. But like I'm never like, hey, Nina, will you show me how to blah, blah, blah? Like I'm like, hey, you're hot. Let's get naked together. And she's like, sure. And it's good times. (laughs) I love that. I love what you said about making like fucking people that are experienced and like for me at least like I've also taken the time to get good at sex I don't nowhere near the level where you're at but goals like I have I have a new standard for what I'm trying to reach (laughs) you're like wait a minute I need to reevaluate my entire sex life but at the same time it's like you know I the times that I've had sex with like really experienced people that like like my doms I talk about them all the time like they've elevated the level of sex that I've had so much to a point where you're like when you do start feeling like you get in very much into that teaching role you're like like at first it's fun but then you're like I want to be I want be in the big leagues you know with the big dogs like, I want to get back to that level it is such a fantastic experience to be with someone who is on your level where like you just flow it, it, it's like um if you I don't know a professional like a black belt in karate like you don't want to spar with white belts you want to spar with other black belts because like otherwise you're going to be very bored because the white belts toolkit is only you know this big imagine I'm holding my hands like a foot apart and I'm like dude you must be this sexually evolved and emotionally self-aware to ride because like otherwise I I can't handle these guys that itch your clit like it's a goddamn mosquito bite and think that like their dick is God's gift to the world and they need to like jam into your g-spot and like oh my god that's like torture that doesn't sound fun for me at all i love that you've taken the time to like you know get to know your body explore things like you said get good at sex find the things that work for you find the things that you know and from having other experiences with others that have like elevated and everything because like i feel like that's like one of the biggest gifts that you can give yourself exploring and understanding and mastering your sexuality like it is really an art i'm gonna about to step on a whole soapbox here because I meet so many people that like do not put any emphasis on their sexuality, do not put any care or anything into it. And then I oftentimes I feel like they they really, especially men, really judge me for how like sexual I am or how like much emphasis I put on my sex life when really it's like to me, it, my sexuality is an art and it is an art that I am refining every day. And it is something that like as I continue to refine it, like the level of like respect and boundaries and love and everything that I have for myself is like is so elevated that it's like starting to get to a point where I'm like you know like you said like you just don't have time for, for the for the people that don't put as as much work and as much of an emphasis as you and not you know I understand like everyone prioritizes and you know their their things differently but like I feel like if you if you really neglect your sexuality and you really don't take any time to refine it and you have like such a limited view of it you're really limiting yourself not just sexually so I I love of people that put as much of an emphasis on it as I do because it's it's how it's in my opinion it's how you unlock the world but that's just me wait no my question was where do you find like the people on your level like how do how do you weed the bad ones out for like your sexual experiences? So there's a couple of ways of going about it. If you are a sexuality professional, there was a few years in the like 2013 to 2015 range where there were a lot of sex conferences where sex professionals would go, educators, therapists, bloggers, uh, and a lot of us would just fuck each other in the hotel. We would have like play parties. And so that was a thing for a while that has kind of gone out of fashion. So I have a couple of, of fellow sex professional colleagues that I still play with when we happen to be in the same place at the same time. Like one of them lives in uh, the Pacific Northwest and, and a couple live on the East coast. So I don't see them as often, but I also just like was on a panel in January for XBiz and one of my co-panelists was this unbelievably attractive porn star um, from the UK named Prince and we hit it off on the panel and then ended up flirting and ended up back at his hotel room like a week later and had phenomenal sex and I was like oh my god it had been a while since I'd had sex with another sexuality professional and I was like this is so much better than than sex with civilians. Holy shit. Because 
I am also on Tinder. I'm I'm on Tinder. I'm on Bumble. I'm on OkCupid. And like, I've had so many unsatisfying dates, even though I try to be like really intentional with like weeding them out and asking questions that will kind of help me reveal like what their philosophy is around sex. But so many of them like immediately want to start sending me dick pics, usually without consent, immediately want to start like sexting, even though we haven't even had coffee yet. And it's so tiring. It's exhausting. So I generally prefer to fuck other sexuality professionals. And in terms of how to do that, that's harder. Like I can't I can only tell you what's worked for me and I'm sort of a unique case. So if you find the opportunity, shoot your shot in a respectful way. See how it goes. <laughs> I feel like I yeah. I feel like I need to, I I like that you ask, you know, potential partners about their like philosophy on sex. That's a good way to go about it, I think. Yeah, I need to do the same. I, like I said, I've been refining how I, I, I definitely in the past, like probably four or five months, so, like fairly recent. Because before I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go out there and like experience a bunch and just like see what's out there. And so I, I went through that whole period and now I'm like, okay, now I understand what's out there. I've like gotten to taste a little bit of everything. And I'm like, I know what I've refined, what I really want to like focus on and like where I want to put emphasis my sexuality and the sex that I have and everything. And so it's like, I'm much more intentional with it. And so I know what to look for. And like, that's how, that's how I've been approaching it. It's a good way to go. It's, it saves you so much time and energy to have those conversations up front. Like before I even agree to a coffee date, you have to be okay with the fact that I'm non-monogamous. Okay. With the fact that I have herpes, like not have tried to send me an unsolicited dick pic and, and I want to do a FaceTime. Yeah. Yeah. FaceTime's good. I yeah. I try to do that one too. That's a good question right there. So for introducing your herpes, how do you do it? If I've talked to them enough that I'm like, this is someone I would potentially like to sleep with, I will either open it like that, like, hey, I'm feeling some chemistry. If we are going to get sexual, there's a couple things that you need to know about me. Or sometimes like if we're if it's already very clear that they're interested in hooking up, then I'm just like, hey, before we were to get sexual, um, I need to have a conversation with you about the fact that I am positive for herpes. I know my body really well. I take meds and and all of that good stuff. But if that's a deal breaker for you, you know, there's the door. Has it been, if you don't mind me asking, and sorry if this is kind of an intrusive question, has it been a deal breaker for a lot of people? Because like, I know I decided for myself a long time ago, I'm like, if someone said like, hey, I have herpes, I'd be like, that's not an issue for me. But I came to that, you know, after like all the research that I've did. So like, I'm curious what people's response has been. I've definitely had people say that that's a deal breaker for them, but I would say two thirds are fine with it. And about one third are like, that doesn't work for me. There's one in, well, I don't know if she's an influencer, um, but this one girl on TikTok that I follow, she has, I don't know if it's HSV one or two, but she talks a lot about her, her journey with herpes and letting her partners know. And I mean, a lot of the times in the comment section, I'm very like thrilled to see that a lot of people like have positive experiences with telling other partners like, Hey, I have herpes and then getting good feedback from it. So I think that's good to know. I think it's gotten progressively better in a lot of ways, especially over like the last 10 years or so. Like it used to be a lot harder. When I first got diagnosed in 2009, I feel like I got rejected a lot more. And now, I mean, and I'm sure it's also partially because I tend to hang out with more like savvy sex positive people. People, but I, I tend to find that more people are open to it. I don't know. I think, like I said, people should do their research on it and get to understand it. So that, I don't know, they, like I said, you know, I figured out for myself, like where I stand on it. And so like, I, I think everyone should do that A and B. I think a lot more people would, cause they don't test for herpes. Like normally, like unless you do a blood test for the antibodies for HSV one and two, like you really don't know. Cause and some people can be completely asymptomatic. So it's, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, you might have it and you don't know, and you never get tested on it. Cause it's not on a standard panel. Only when you like request it or like, go get like a full panel, is it on there? Um, so I think much of the world would be surprised and hopefully a lot less judgmental about it, you know, or the stigma and everything if they if they did some research on it and did the full test. But I digress on that subject. Well, but on but on education, like what how Uh, especially as like a sex educator, um, how would you go about like, if you had to, you know, mastermind the plan on how we teach like our youth about sex, how would you do it? It's interesting because I, I did, when I was in college, I taught K through 12 kids about respectful relationships and like stranger danger and like your body is yours kind of stuff, but never any of the the pleasure-based stuff because that's like generally not welcome in schools. So in terms of youth, I would push 
anyone who's under 18 to scarletine.com. That's the site that I've started using when I was in college and when I was in high school, really. Uh, Heather Corinna is is the person who started that and they are phenomenal. It's an incredible resource. It's, it's age appropriate, queer inclusive, body positive, pleasure focused, medically accurate. And it's, it's just a great resource because I think parents, even the most progressive parents are still going to be teaching through the lens of their own bias. And that gets a little bit tricky at times. So I think having like a, a neutral source like Scarletine is is super valuable. So I would just want to raise so much awareness about that site. And, you know, they're a nonprofit. So it's it's something you can donate money to. And I would certainly encourage you to do so because it's, they're really out there doing the powerful work in the, in the world. That's amazing. I'd never heard of that. Yeah. So I'm learning a lot today. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of things really, to look yeah. up. <laughs> Okay. That's amazing. <laughs> it's good to hear that like there are already other sources out there. But like I said, you know, I hadn't heard of it. And I would like to think that I do quite a bit of, you know, research and, and exploration into sex and, and those kind of things. So there's a lot of information out there. I hope. Yeah. Right. I hope people and know how to access good stuff. Yeah. I hope you will know how to access it. Yeah. That's another one too, is finding like quality content. It's like lube, you know, there's plenty of lube out there, but only really good quality lube in certain spots. You just have to look for it or know what to look for. I did want to shift a little bit to your book, um, which I have not read but I'm really excited to. The CBD solution, sex. I have a question. I know based on the title, you cover CBD and sex. Do you touch on any of the other topics that, you know, you psychedelics, non-monogamy, queer exploration, like are any, is any of that covered in there as well? Or is it kind of more strictly on the CBD and sex side? So it does extend to all cannabis. The The title is slightly misleading that way because it's, it's CBD and all the cannabinoids and ways of consumption. I don't really get into non-monogamy because there just wasn't space for it, but I did talk about queerness. It is written from a queer inclusive perspective. Everything is partner and people with vulvas and people with penises. And there is a part in the back about like sex and disability and helping your partner being supportive of a partner has trauma and like having an STI disclosure conversation. So I tried to pack in as much like general sex ed knowledge as I could and Chapter two is all about like the sex ed that you didn't get in school. So it's a lot of pleasure-based anatomy and negotiation and toys and lube materials and and all those sorts of things. But I was not able to get into like non-monogamy. And there are other books out there that are so good for that. Polysecure is one of the best books about non-monogamy. Another is Opening Up by Tristan Taramino. Uh, another is The Ethical Slut by Dossie Eaton and Janet Hardy. Like there's there's such great material out there that like I'm sure at some point I referenced. Yeah, it's, I think that was my first non-monogamy book, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, mine too. Same. I'm not finished. I just kind of like read it like here and there. Like the I, at first, yeah. yeah, at first I started like trying to read the whole thing, but then I was like, I think I'll just like go to sections here and there. I haven't finished it fully though. Did you read Sex at Dawn? I have skimmed Sex and Sex at Dawn. Uh, I don't think I've read the whole thing. Yeah, I've skimmed most of it. I'm there are a couple chunks that I've that I kind of what's the word glossed through but, but yeah that's another one really interesting one I don't know I love all those types of books as well the stepping off the relationship escalator that's another one that I really like and then I was going to ask like I guess in the creation of your book more like in the research of it or whatever were there things that you learned as well were, like did that journey kind of take you to some discovery also there was a couple of really cool, there were a couple of really cool things that came through in the course of writing the book that I was like, oh, that's a thing I hadn't considered. Or like, I wasn't aware of that level of detail, especially the science of cannabis. One of my colleagues, Chelsea Sabara, is a formulator and a chemist, and she like gets very nerdy on the different compounds and 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 the chemistry of it. And so I had her give me some really good quotes for the first chapter, which is all about like the science. And then I had a friend, a couple of friends who or like doctors and nurses talk about the medical aspects of the endocannabinoid system and how our body was actually literally made to work with these compounds. And that gave me some insights that were deeper than I had dug previously. But like at that point when I wrote the book, I had already published over 200 articles on sex and cannabis. So I knew a lot going in. Yeah, makes sense. That's awesome. It sounds like you've done obviously quite a bit in your sex education journey, you know, and like all the materials and resources that you've provided out there. Where do you want to take it? Do you want to write another book? You know, do you have other projects that you're working on? Did the book inspire kind of any pathways or anything like that? So, I'll tell you a secret. I hate 
writing. So I have no interest in writing another book. I have written all that I intend to write in my life, at least for the next several years. I really like coaching and I like teaching and I like facilitating groups. So at the beginning of the pandemic, I was feeling really cut off from community, like so many of us, like trapped at home. And so at the end of 2020 into early 2021, I created an online program for women called Activating Your Cosmic Pussy. And it's a seven-week intensive on empowerment, sex magic, manifesting, ritual, cooperating with botanical allies, and and really just helping you feel more emboldened in your desires and, and willing to share them and ask for what you want in a really self-assured way and, and to release the shame that so many of us were brought up with. And so I've now run that group four different times. I've had 25 women go through the program. And in a couple weeks, I'm actually going to be starting a 201 group for the women who have already gone through the program who want to kind of take a deeper dive. That's going to be a nine week class. So that feels like what I want to build into my legacy. Like I studied with Betty Dodson, who is this amazing pleasure, positive pioneer and feminist who just died uh, in 2020 at the age of 90. And body sex was her legacy. She she created these workshops in the late 60s and early 70s. And thousands and thousands of women have had orgasms because of Betty. And I want the Activating Your Cosmic Pussy community to be my body sex. Like that, that's what I want to grow. I want to figure out how to make it bigger, maybe turn into a nonprofit or a church of some kind. Like I, I want that to be the thing. And then I'll do coaching clients and then I'll teach kind of here and there. But like, that's, that's what I want to do. That's yeah. I'm very do. interested in this course now. I'm like, yeah. I, that sounds like something I need to do. No. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Same thing. I'm always like looking for ways to learn things and I don't, I've never done like, you know, something that like that where it's like structured or, you know, a course. Now what does it entail? Yeah. What is, what does it look like? If, I don't, if you don't mind me asking. <laughs> no, not at all. The coolest part of all of it that I wasn't expecting entirely was how much of a community it would create. Like a lot of these women came in saying, I'm the only one of my friends who smokes weed. I'm the only one of my friends who's like curious about sex or open about sex. Like I live in this. So I don't have anybody to talk to or do these things with. I've always felt like the odd person out and, you know, the sort of the pariah in my community or whatever. And through this this course where we have vulva gazing week two, everybody shows their pussy to everyone else. And we all say nice things. And some, you know, most people have never had someone look at their vulva who wasn't either doing a medical procedure or fucking them. <laughs> so I borrowed the uh, genital show and tell from Betty's body sex program. And, and a lot of like what I do in that course sort of builds off of those principles. And so it's really from the ground up, it is shedding shame. It is questioning like the beliefs that you've been given and really evaluating like what serves you and what are, what's keeping you small and learning how to honor and celebrate your body so that you can feel amazing in your skin. I love that you guys do that. So I, all the time, I, was, I think I mentioned this in another episode, I sit in front of my mirror, spread eagle, you know, just like legs are out like naked. And I just like kind of like study and look at it and like I'll say nice things to it too. I didn't know that vulva gazing, I didn't know there was a term for it. I love that. And I didn't know that other people did that. So like it makes me really happy to hear that they do. But yeah, I would, I would literally do that because for me, it helped me kind of connect to myself more, connect more to like my sexualness, my sexuality. And also it made me realize like just how much like I want to take care of it, like how much I want to put an emphasis on making sure that I'm being safe and healthy with it. And of course, I'm like, I'm not perfect. You know, there have definitely been times where like, you know, I've been careless in sex and whatnot, but for the most part, like it's time and time again, it just reminds me like, the emphasis that I want to put on like taking care of it. So I, that's a good point. Like I've never thought of, I don't think anyone else has looked at it. That's not going to like either have sex with me or um, do a medical procedure. So I find that fascinating. I think that'd be so fun to do. What I'm learning and especially like, cause yeah, we had a similar convo at another, uh, with another um, episode we recorded. And then now this, I'm like, I need to sit in front of a mirror and look at my own pussy. Yeah. Cause I've never done that. <laughs> So, and I'm 28. So I'm over here thinking like, I'm just behind <laughs> the times. It's transformative. And at the same time, I've had women in this group. I think the oldest woman who's gone through the program was like in her mid to late 60s. And the youngest one was in her early 20s. 
And most of them had never looked at their pussies before. It's, it is not uncommon. And so I want to create a space for that exploration, but also the celebration and the experience of having women just be like, Hey, I love the way your pussy looks. It's so cool. It's, it's art. Look how neat that is. And like, Oh, and the colors and the textures and the way the, the folds drape, like, wow. And, and everyone just kind of glows up in that space and it cements them as sisters because like, once you've looked at each other's pussies, you're pretty much family. (laughs) Like, well, I mean, if you think about it too, like dudes get to look at their dick all the time. Yeah. For us, it's like it really is like a to process a to, process yeah. to try to like look at everything. I was saying, you know, I think my laser hair removal person has seen more of it than I have. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> I remember like we did an episode on on sizes and and I remember like I was telling men, you know, that they should do the same with their dicks, even though they do see it all the time. Like take the time to like give those body parts like love and appreciation. And, and I do that with like my entire body all the time. Like when people are like, you know, I'm insecure. I don't know what to, to do to feel better about my body. It's a practice that I also borrowed from. It was a dance class I used to go to. And every time before we got started, the, the instructor, she, you know, we went through like every single part of the body. So like fingers, hands, arms, you know, everything. And she would like say reasons to be thankful for that body. So like, you know, these hands that allow me to grab things and allow me to, you know, hold whatever like our babies or hold our, you know, our loved ones, whatever. Yeah. (laughs) And then like, you know, your legs that'll carry you through. It's like all these things. And I just remember like every single time I did that, I gained so much appreciation for my body. And then I took that to my genitals. Obviously that's when I started like looking at my vagina more. And and I think that's a practice that everyone should do um, with every part of their body because it can be so inspiring and so fulfilling and brings you like in tune with yourself. Yeah. That's really neat. I want to do this class now. How often? So it's seven weeks long, you said? It is seven weeks long. I'm about to run the 201 class for nine weeks. So that's going to take me into probably May. And then um, I'm planning to do the next foundation course probably in either late summer or early fall. Nice. Nice. And are these all on like your website and your Instagram and whatnot for anyone that's interested? They are all on my Instagram. Sign up for my email list. If you go to canisexual.com, you can get on my email list and I send out things periodically to just let people know. Like I started doing a monthly group. So I actually have one coming up on the 18th of March for the full moon. And so it's going to be like a cosmic pussy standalone class. Cause I realized that like some people, you know, I charge a thousand dollars for the seven week course. So like not everybody has that. So I wanted to make it more accessible. So the, the 90 minute class is just standalone and you can come every month if you want. Um, and they're only 33 bucks each. So yeah, if you go to highpriestessofpleasure.com, you can register for this month's cosmic pussy workshop and it's all on zoom. Um, and if you can't make it live, you can watch it later. I love that high priestess of cosmic pleasure. Was that what it was? No, pleasure. How about, amazing. What a name. I was like, well, that's a really long like, dot com name, but I love it so much. <laughs> Are, I'm curious. You mentioned the full moon. Are you into astrology? I am into astrology. I like manifesting with moon cycles. And um, one of my very dear friends, Danny Santos, is like a phenomenal astrologer. He's on Instagram uh, at Santos Crystal Visions. And he like I met him at an event in the valley in L.A., and he did this amazing sound bath and past life regression. And he looked at my birth chart for two seconds and was like, oh, your mom's an alcoholic. I was like, how the fuck did you know that? And he's like, oh, because your Neptune's in whatever the fuck. And I was like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah, he is so good. Oh, we love astrology. I, love, yeah. I just wrote his handle down. I'm going to go check him out. I've definitely been getting more into my spiritual journey too with astrology. I've been researching it quite a bit. And I think the two, at least for me, they've gone hand in hand because as I was mentioning in another episode, I like to manifest while I'm orgasming. Same. Same. Yeah. They, <laughs> okay. How do you do it? Like, how do you do that? That's a whole other conversation. Take my class and I will teach you. <laughs> Wait, so where where is that found? Is that in your, is it in the Cosmic Pussy one? Uh, The one in March is, if you go to highpriestessofpleasure.com, you can register for it. Okay, that one. (gasps) Okay, I'm going to... Wait, so do you have any plans for the new moon? Uh, Yes, actually, tomorrow night, I'm going to see Hamilton at the Pantages. And then afterwards, my boyfriend and I are going to do some sex magic. How do you... What what does sex... (laughs) Yeah, what does sex magic entail? (laughs) That is another question for the class. (laughs) 
<laughs> We've pretty much covered all the questions that I've had. I have so much shit to like look up now. Yeah, like, but wait a minute. This has been amazing. Uh, we definitely thank you for your time. I hope our listeners got something out of it. I'm sure they all did as much as we did. But I mean, A, thank you for devoting, you know, your time and your life to sex education and positivity and helping others, you know, discover those parts within themselves. Like, I, I think that's such a noble thing. And I know to most people, I feel like, you know, it's it's not a corporate glamorous, you know, thing that your mom brags about to like all her friends at the country club. But like I, to me, the sex educators are the people that are really doing the work for society. Because I always say if if people were more... I would brag about it. Yeah. No, I'm saying like if people were more sexually aware and open and everything, uh, the world would be a much better place. So thank you for everything that you're doing. Thank you. I'm I'm honored to do this work. And in fact, my dad does brag about it a lot. Although I, I have a strong hunch that it's mostly because he wants to be able to go up to random women and say, did you know your clit has legs? That's one of his favorite conversation openers. And so, you know, these women are like, what? And he's like, my daughter's a sex educator. You should look her up. He's, he's like my own walking PR person. I love that. Oh, I, it's great when you, you know, finding like that relationship with your parents when they're like, you know, when you can talk about sex and it's, and they support you and things like that. And, and yeah, that's amazing. I love them. Yes. I'm very grateful. And now that he's retired, he does a lot more weed. So I'm like his edibles supplier. Oh, oh yeah. You point him in the right direction. He gets a lot of the stuff that I don't use. Cause like I don't use edibles a lot and I get sent a lot of free stuff. That's one of the perks of being me is I don't pay for weed or sex toys. So I have like a drawer full of edibles that I'm like, I'm never going to use all of this. Did you want to plug? You mentioned quite a few things here. Did you want to plug it all if you have a way to do it? Absolutely. So the best way is to follow me on Instagram at canasexual. That is sort of the portal to everything else or my website canasexual.com to get on my email list. Um, Those are the two best ways of, of accessing my stuff. Um, if you're interested in my cosmic pussy programming, uh, highpriestessofpleasure.com will get you there. I have a podcast that's currently on hiatus, but there's like 60 episodes that you could listen to called Elevated Intimacy. I have online courses through elevatedintimacy.com, including a hand sex class, a dirty talk class. And I just came out with a PDF that like, if you don't want to take a whole hand sex class, this is just sort of the highlights in written form. And you can actually add that to my dirty talk class for 69 bucks total. And that's, that's like a great deal right now. So I would really encourage people elevatedintimacy.com is where you can find that. Nice. Thank yeah. You. I really want to look into the, the dirty, dirty talk. talk one. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And we'll include the links for all of these in the description as well. So people can reach them pretty easily um, and go learn more about it. But yeah, thank you again. This has been an amazing conversation. I could literally pick your brain for yeah, hours. Yeah, I was going to say, we there's so much more. I feel like at some point I need to start like paying you. So... <laughs> We definitely appreciate your time in this. Thank you. Well, double team fans, like we always say, thank you again. And yeah, we'll see you guys next time. See you guys next time.